0: Friday, everybody, and on top of that, happy 248th birthday to the United States Marine Corps. Because it is November 10th, the Marine Corps birthday today, I will be having cake.
1: Do you know what kind of cake?
0: I don't know what kind of cake, I just know that the uh, women in my life like to make that happen and because I'm not with my unit today and it is the day to celebrate, I am having cake today. Now, my daughter wants to make ice cream cookies.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) And I think Samantha is going to go along with something. That's whatever she wants to do. And my mom was like, well, what do you want? And I was like, mom, just go to the grocery store and just get a single piece, just a single piece off the shelf. I don't want any more than that. Like it is pretty much mandatory to have cake on the birthday but we don't need to do more than that <laughs> right like we don't need this to drag out days and days and days past Leftover. so yeah so um for those of you that are out there wondering what is going on yes i am a u.s marine i'm in the reserves um, i was active for five and now i've been reserved for the next 13 and counting it is always appropriate to wish a marine happy birthday as if it was their birthday so first thing in the morning on november 10th if you've got a marine in your life send them a text happy birthday give them a call whatever Um, november great timing what we want to get to in this particular program is how do you manage all those special occasions and really the year kind of kicks off with halloween and how do you manage that through the rest of the holidays? I, I have one extra than you guys have, right? Or us. or do I? But let's talk about that. Let's talk about that over the course of the program. I also want to get to a little bit about what's been going on with my personal training and then uh, what we've been doing up in this gym. Follow up on the jumping complaint that I registered last week which I think was hilarious. Um, (laughs) I don't know if everybody was amused with that, especially people that train here, that work out here, that uh, listened to the podcast and heard me complaining about their jumping abilities, (laughs) but whatever. Um, But let's start with you. I was talking to you a little bit earlier. Uh, I didn't get a chance to debrief with you on your workout this morning. Right. And we know that you've been having like a, a trap and neck pain and tension thing, right? But it's, it's past the point of, or that sounds bad saying past the point of medical treatment. <laughs> um, just to briefly describe what's going on.
1: Um, pretty much I have traps that are overactive. And um, when I try to do... Like any delt exercise, my traps like to engage more, and so for that, it causes a lot of extra tension in my neck and in my trap. And so, uh, what we were just discussing is that we need to start, or I need to start focusing more on lifting with delts, like doing more delt exercises to get them stronger, um, just so we can help alleviate my traps doing a lot of the work.
0: Yeah, so that's true, and this. This came, though, originally you started having issues with a car crash.
1: Yeah, seven years ago. Yeah, so
0: a 7 year ago car crash. The lingering injury is really true. I've noticed um, even in people that have had like a severe ankle sprain when they were 12 or maybe during high school soccer or something, and now they could be mid-40s even, and that issue that was never dealt with appropriately, and they never rehabbed all the way through to maintaining rehab into the rest of their exercise, or maybe they kind of gave up and shied away from exercise and then came back later. That's very common for people to, to be active in their teens. And then, you know, kind of let themselves go and then come back decades later. But those old injuries can plague you if you don't like continue to deal with them.
1: Right. And I think the biggest thing for me was uh, right after my car accident, I didn't go and see anyone. I didn't get any help cause I felt perfectly fine. Um, it wasn't a terrible accident or anything, maybe minor whiplash. Um, but then like three years later, I had to go to the chiropractor cause I started getting numbness in my left arm. And um, that's when I had to get x-rays done. And I uh, started to develop a reverse curve in my neck. So after, you know, a number of, um, appointments with the chiropractor, the numbness went away, so I stopped going and four or five years later, here I am dealing with the same issue. The numbness is gone because I've been very consistent with seeing the chiropractor and I've been seeing physical therapists uh, to just help with the rehab. Um, So we're definitely on the right path of getting better.
0: And one of the reasons I think that this flared back up for you is because you're actually on the verge of being a very legitimate kettlebell athlete you had a chance if you hadn't had a flare up this summer of putting in your candidate master of sport in marathon format, which is clean and jerk, um, which is basically swinging the bell between your legs, pausing for a minute in the middle, and then putting it overhead all the way and then doing it over again, over and over and over. Um, you weren't too far off the pace last year. So with a little bit of focus and effort, you could get to that candidate master of sport level, which is when you could start getting looked at on the national scale, right? I'm not saying that like an Olympic coach would come and like scout you or whatever, but I'm saying that, that's like the first level for, Oh, this person achieved a thing and they're doing like very legitimate work and they're on the radar. Right. But in order to do that, you'd have to get through this because an overhead press, like motion has been aggravating that. So then this morning, we were doing some warm up exercises, and then immediately after the warm up, a couple of uh, shoulder focused exercises on Friday. It's a little bit more of an interesting circuit, a little bit less heavy and intense because I wanna hit some of the supplemental things that maybe we're missing. And so there's a lateral delt raise. And um, I haven't seen you in a tank top for a while, right? And I noticed that as you're doing this lateral delt raise, a very specific variation of, if you just Google lateral delt raise, you're probably gonna find the wrong version unless you see um jeff cavaliers from athleanx he has got a great instructional video on that but we're trying to isolate your delts right and i saw that like your adult surprisingly did not have a lot of muscle tone in it, right? Which you can't necessarily see with just a t-shirt on, but your traps had a ton of muscle tone. And I was like, huh, interesting. So like the theoretical imbalance that we know exists based on the symptoms, based on uh, the areas of discomfort that you're running into, like actually physically shows in your results and in your physique. And so part of that we talked about, um, yes, you need to get your holistic perspective. The training is good. The exercise is good. The chiropractor was good. The physical therapy that you're getting is good. Reducing your stress is really important. I can only imagine how you like stress sleep, which probably (laughs) aggravates the whole thing or like maybe stress chew or like when you're mad at somebody or something like that all matters. It all matters for the whole you, but in an exercise-specific perspective, we have to get your delts firing Mm -hmm. so that they can get stronger, so that they can get some muscle tone, so that they can start doing the job that they're meant to do instead of the traps being overactive and getting that done. And yes, I can prescribe you the right drills, which I do, and Mm -hmm. we do but you have to begin to absorb that internally and begin to feel the feels in your dealt. And it's going to be a process, like with the level of like aggravation and trauma, I'm very proud of you by the way, for working through all of that and continuing to, to do a great job. You didn't um, just like quit and curl up into a, a crying ball like a lot of people would have. Well, thank you. Um, and, and guys like Jordan is not destroyed, right? She's functional but we're trying to optimize her, right? Cause she's got a lot of potential. So to get to that optimal place, it's going to be like a series of practices. You're going to start to feel better, start to feel stronger, start to feel more control, start to feel more mind body connection to your delts, particularly that middle delt, the big one. And as that happens, less aggravation will happen in the traps because they're doing less work, right? That, that burden can come off of them. And then you can start to like actually see the results in your muscle tone, mm-hmm. which is outstanding. So, um, So that was just like a current happening now. But let's get into what I kind of teased at the beginning, the cake thing, right? Holidays. Yes. Holidays are a big deal for most people. And wherever you're listening from, like this is Colorado, America. So my big holidays that shake out on an annual basis might be different than yours. But most people have an annual cycle of uh, holidays. Now there are uh, special occasions that um, recur that are specific to you. It could be an anniversary, right? Like, like a wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. or it could be some other kind of anniversary, significant event in your life. Some people celebrate alternate anniversaries, or. Um, Alternatively some people try to avoid alternate anniversaries right i've got a few of those um and that can affect people and provide triggers for disordered eating patterns um but then like your birthday right most people celebrate their birthday that happens whenever it is on the annual cycle um major holidays kicking it off with halloween which is a very sweets oriented holiday yes i know it's like very child oriented but uh adults go to parties too
1: they do and there's a lot of opportunity to have baked goods there and being creative yes what to make
0: and a baked good can pack a lot more pounds (laughs) than a few pieces of candy right uh thanksgiving comes right around the corner that's like the big the pie day yes pie day other things some people make uh, uh, like unconscionable salads in quotes like mm-hmm. that are not salads it's a jello
1: it is and then you have like grapes and then uh, like marshmallows and stuff yeah
0: Yeah. So, you know, whatever. So you're packing that into the meal. A lot of people uh, drink heavily on Thanksgiving. Um, Then right around that is Christmas, like basically within a month, then New Year's. And between these like seasons of making food, like most people are making food at home. And so they have all the leftovers as well or all the prep. Right. Or they're eating their kids leftovers. Right. So there's all sorts of like crossover and and bleed over here between what you're eating and what the rest of the family's eating and what your friends are eating and what you're sharing. And um, it's very neighborly to bring some cookies across the street. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Then a little later in the year, there's Easter, there's Memorial Day, there's Fourth of July, there's Labor Day. These are all like typical like food holidays and food probably should be part of holidays. Food is good.
1: It is. It creates good memories.
0: Yeah. And we'd all be dead without food.
1: <laughs> that right? we would, yes.
0: <laughs> some of us are dead because of food, though. Right? So how do you manage that? Um, some other things. Like, you could have a promotion. You could have a regular milestone. You could have a graduation. That's a special occasion. Uh, but the the real issue... I don't take issue with people celebrating a special occasion. Again, I'm having cake today. On purpose. Proudly. Right? But... When do special occasions become a problem? When does Thanksgiving Day turn into the day after Thanksgiving Day, the day after Thanksgiving Day, the day after Thanksgiving Day, and then that turns into...
1: Christmas time.
0: Brunch or dinner with family on Sunday, right? And then that turns into, well, I need a pick-me-up because it's Monday. (laughs) Or... I deserve something special today because it was a hard day. Or it's Friday. So it's time to celebrate. <laughs> it's
1: time to celebrate.
0: And then it's Saturday.
1: Time to celebrate again.
0: And we're off. It's time to celebrate again. And then it's Sunday.
1: Go to brunch with your family.
0: And Monday's around the corner. <laughs> and maybe that makes you sad. So let's let's treat ourselves on a Sunday. And then Monday shows up and, and if you don't have a great attitude about Monday, then it sucks and you need to pick me up. Holy moly. Like that's like four or five special occasions in a single week that happen every single week. So is it the holidays or is it our relationship with food and happiness to begin with?
1: It's probably a little bit of both. I think.
0: Okay. Tell me more.
1: Um because I don't know, I feel like, you know, when it's the holiday time you give yourself a little bit of grace and um you just I don't know, you tell yourself sometimes it's acceptable to eat uh a little bit more unconventionally like you normally do and then that just ends up turning into that long cycle we just got done talking about. Um, So
0: you're blaming everybody's disordered eating on the holiday cycle to begin with?
1: (laughs) Not necessarily. I just think like... For some people it could be. For some people. But I feel like, because I've had this be an issue in the past is I'll do really good throughout the year and then holiday comes, like Thanksgiving comes and I have a lot of family who will, you know, make a lot of baked goods and I'm a huge apple pie person and my family knows that. And... You know I tell myself it's fine I'll have a piece today I'll have a piece tomorrow and it'll be fine and then it can turn into um, you know just having those leftovers throughout the week and um, I don't know just continuing to like I still work out during that and that helps me remind myself like hey you can't be eating like this and so then I start getting back into that good mindset like we need to stop like eating as bad as we are right now and okay
0: so so what's going on here guys is my junior coach (laughs) is correctly identifying this cycle (laughs) that most people go through
1: it's not an issue anymore it is
0: a well yes uh okay thank you that's that's fair in all fairness It's not an issue anymore, she says. (laughs) Um, But this is a reactive cycle. Yes. That you're talking about. And it has a lot to deal with feelings of guilt for doing the thing and then feelings of trying to make up for it for not doing the thing. So that automatically is a little bit of a disordered relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So we want to establish this is strategy number one good relationship with food and rewards. I'm not just going to say a good relationship with food because I think we need rewards as people. But if food is your reward and you're tying your happiness to that, that's a problem. Now in America, most of us don't have this problem where the absence of food like makes you unhealthy and unhappy. If you're poor and you're actually malnourished that's going to have a dramatic impact on your happiness, right? I'm talking about like dessert treats, right? Things that we don't need to be healthy. Um, Desserts really don't do anything for you. They can provide calories, which in an extreme athletic exertion mode can be helpful. Although for some people, maybe not. I know some extreme endurance athletes for whom carbohydrates are not the most optimized source of continuous nutrition. I thrive off carbohydrates, all right? They work well for me. But for some people, they lead to performance. But for most people, it's part of fun. It's part of culture. It's part of celebrating. But when that's your only reward and you go to it on a day-to-day basis, you take the holiday specialness out of it right? And it becomes a problem for you. So talk about your relationship with rewards. Like what are other reward strategies that you can apply on a daily basis or a weekly basis that uh, don't necessarily involve sugary or alcoholic treats? Read a book. Like give yourself permission to sit down and just read a stupid uh, fiction book, if you're really into nonfiction, fine, whatever. And you want to like bust out the encyclopedia, and like that's amazing for you, great. You can sit down and read a book. What if there's like an activity that you enjoy doing, like like a game, something fun, something silly? Maybe it works a little bit of eye-hand coordination. You give yourself permission to play um, with a loved one for briefly, or like a friend or something, or like social activities that involve activity versus eating great way to give yourself a reward. What about taking an extra five minutes for a hot, hot shower or just like setting up something that feels good. That's therapeutic. There's a lot of ways to reward yourself that you can be healthy without tying yourself necessarily to food. Right. And then even the idea of having to have a reward itself. Yeah. You might be a little mentally weak, right? (laughs) We all are, but, um, like sometimes self-care is just taking care of yourself. Trimming your toenails.
1: Yes. Important.
0: (laughs) Do it in a luxurious way though, right? Put on your bathrobe, sip some tea, trim your toenails. Fantastic. Perfect reward for doing that hard report this week. Absolutely. Um, so that was strategy number one, good relationship with food and rewards, Uh, My next strategy, number two, is celebrate yours, not theirs. So there are some people that I know, and I really don't want to name a name because this name has a higher than average chance of listening to this broadcast, but there's always a special occasion, right? Like multiple times a week. Oh, because you're meeting somebody that you haven't talked to in a while, or because you're going to so-and-so's birthday party, or because you have such-and-such a function with this group of people, right? And when you have multiple occasions that are theirs, not yours, like, scale back on what you're eating there. If it's your child's birthday party, help yourself to cake. If it's their child's birthday party, like, maybe take a bite. Right? or find a way to not have to indulge in everything that's there because you're going to go nuts having everything at every occasion. Strategy number three, be planned versus spontaneous. This brings me to a really helpful concept that I think you can apply by sorting your foods And what we're going to do with this, you can take out a pen and a paper right now and do this is uh, sort your food into red light, yellow light and green light foods. A red light food is a food that usually causes you either actual like discomfort. So for example, if you have an allergy, you cannot eat your allergy food, right? That is a very obvious glaring red light with sirens that are going off, right? But a red light food could also be something that you almost always will overeat or that you won't feel good about afterwards, right? A yellow light food is a sometimes food. Like maybe under the right circumstances, you might overdo it, or maybe in the right circumstances, you'll feel just fine. Or maybe, um, in some ways you could have a bad biological response and your guts wouldn't feel good afterwards, but maybe sometimes it won't like with different, uh, companions in that particular dish. A green light food is a food that you can have all the time, unsupervised, as much of it as you want. And it's not going to make you feel bad and you're going to feel really, really good. Now because of a lot of genetic diversity across the whole world, these foods will be very, very different for different people. Some people's red light foods are my green light foods. Give you a couple examples. Um, Dairy, I tolerate dairy great. It's one of my main sources of protein. I will have milk, yogurt, cottage cheese, regular cheese. Like it is full blown nutrition for me, but for some people that are like lactose intolerant or whatever, it's a straight up red light food. They cannot have it. Jordan, what are some of your best green light foods? Anytime foods that you can have almost in any quantity.
1: Um, I'm the same way dairy foods. I can have cheese, yogurt, milk, without having any issues. Normally, and um, another one is also, like, I guess that's, like, the main one that would be mostly complicated for people. Uh, yeah, are vegetables
0: foods. are amazing. Most people should have most vegetables yeah. as a green light food, also most fruits as a green light food, mm-hmm. with the exception of people that maybe need to cook some of their veggies yeah, because they have so a they specific, like, digestive issue. hmm Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Um yellow light foods for me tends to be more combination based than anything else. For example, uh chili I find to be very very healthy. I make it mm-hmm. with lean ground beef because there's so much other flavor in it. I don't need the fatty ground beef. Like if I get 80/20 ground beef to me, that's like uh, gourmet burger at home. I'm going to stack this sucker up and enjoy the heck out of it time, but I don't need that for my chili. Like beef is kind of a filler and you've got other interesting things in there, but it has a lot of beans. Mm. A lot of beans can be a yellow light food for me. If I have too many of them, they give me a lot of gas, right? Um, similarly, sushi gives me almost instant gas, but I don't have any other bad effects, so like, it doesn't make me hurt. It's good nutritionally, that mm-hmm. just gives me gas. So maybe I shouldn't have too much or have it too often, right? Um, but going back to the chili, like this a very flavorful dish. But if we start to put like cornbread on the side and then put a lot of butter and a lot of honey on that cornbread and then say, oh, well, this is gonna taste great with a glass of milk. And then I decide, well, I'm also gonna have a beer. And so now I've got a beer and a milk and a cornbread and a honey <laughs> and a butter and a chili. And maybe a bunch of cheese and like some sour cream on that chili. Like I can give myself a stomach ache. All right. So that's an example of too much of a combination becomes a yellow food. But if we split that up a little bit and are a little more sane, then those foods are just fine to eat. And they're plenty nutritious.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Red light food though.
1: Brownies are mine all the way. Okay. Brownies. Cause I can't just have one.
0: Can't just have I one. I can't.
1: I have to have at, at least two. So that's why I don't have brownies at all in the house. Ever. an ice cream. like If I want ice cream, I will uh, go out and have ice cream. That way it's portion controlled for the most part, depending on where yeah. you go. Um, and then I just get that little bit of ice cream. And I normally just do a cup. I almost never do a cone just because the cone adds extra stuff into it that right. I don't really need. Um, but, yeah, brownies and ice cream are, like, my hard red flags. Like, I can't, can't have them in the house.
0: Okay. That's smart. And that is... Strategy number three right there planned mm-hmm. versus spontaneous. Yes. Right? Um, now you could have a spontaneous slot in your calendar <laughs> and be like, this is spontaneous time. Am I going to go out and get a brownie or am I going to go out and get an ice cream? And so we've kind of directed some spontaneity that's going to land at a couple different conclusions mm-hmm. versus you on any given day going to the freezer and just going for a whole tub of ice cream.
1: It's so easy right. to do. I, like, it's- yeah.
0: So it. your primary strategy for red light foods is going to be, um, do not keep them in the house. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you can't eat them. But if you're gonna have a red light food, you need to do one of two things. Go out to get them and don't bring them back. Like go out to a restaurant great opportunity to go to a restaurant, experience something new, um, change up from the pace. Uh, don't bring a bunch of leftovers home from your red light food, right? Pizza. That's one of my red light foods. Yep, you okay.
1: read my mind too. <laughs> yep.
0: So for pizza, the way that we plan that in my house is if we want pizza night and we aim for about one pizza night a month, the idea is to not do it on a night where we're frazzled, and working hard and don't feel like making dinner. Those are not grounds for ordering pizza grounds for ordering pizza is, hmm, we haven't had a pizza night in a while. And let's say it's a Monday. How would we like to have pizza night on Thursday? Great. That sounds great. Let's have pizza night on Thursday. And then we can kind of plan the meals around that to be a little bit less carb heavy. And then we can enjoy a relatively guilt-free pizza night because pizza is delicious. I grew up with pizza. I want pizza in my life. Mm -hmm. I just don't need pizza and pizza and pizza, and I don't need pizza as a crutch for my poor planning or for my frazzled work life.
1: Yeah, and it's a great way to not, you know, get into that emotional eating or to prevent that. Like, you guys are feeling Mm -hmm. frazzled. So let's reward ourselves with having pizza. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But since I dealt with that, like, several years ago, I think you can guess what my, like, primary red flag food is that's actually a struggle
1: uh oh is it cereal
0: it's cereal yes
1: yes
0: (laughs) it is cereal and the strategy for cereal for me is to eat it in front of my wife why is that because when i tend to binge and i'm talking like in danger of eating the whole box or eating a half a box or something like that is when everybody else has gone to bed i'm wound up about something or just kind of being neurotic or whatever and i either like put youtube on or i'm binging some sort of sitcom or something like that and you have a bowl and you're not paying attention because you're watching the TV, and before you know it, you're back in the kitchen. You pour another bowl, and it's almost reflexive, and it's too much. And then three plus bowls later, you don't feel great, and you kind of feel like you've undone the hard work that you did that day because you probably did, if waistline is the goal, right? Um, so yeah, having that in front of other people, and then going back in time, if you have a bad eating episode, recognizing who was I with. Was I alone? Was I with a person who agitates, irritates, depresses me, etc.? A person who excites me. Generally, the person that excites you won't lead you to overeat, right? Because food issues are imperfect ways of handling personal issues, right? But yeah, go back in time and just try to deconstruct what happened. You're going to be a forensic scientist. And so I have done this enough times with cereal to know that if I am having a problem or like feeling down or upset about something, particularly if it's unresolved in my own house or in my own like work mode and I can't get something done and I'm mad at myself, if I don't have people around me, I'm way more susceptible at night to having a bunch of cereal. So when I start to have those feelings, I can preview what's about to happen. And at that point, you have a conscious decision to make. Let's go ahead and medicate these feelings with cereal and feel like crap and just suffer the consequences but do it consciously. Or let's go a different route. Maybe either have a bowl of cottage cheese and you know some blueberries or something. Or maybe read a book, don't turn on the TV, or maybe just brush my teeth, floss, and go to bed. Like, I don't need that extra 10 grams of protein. My muscle is not gonna shrivel up and go away if I don't get it. Maybe just getting out of the food zone is the better thing to do at that More point. More
1: healthier option. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So those are your three main strategies, okay? Relationship with food and rewards. Celebrate yours, not theirs. And planning versus spontaneity. Or plan spontaneity that's not wrong
1: (laughs) it's not as long as you're planning it because you know you're going to go and do this as long as it's not an every single day thing yeah yeah
0: yeah that's something that I think you can actually live with and be happy about Um, okay this one's gonna be kind of fun like it is a little bit of a strategy it's not a great strategy but it's a little bit of a strategy like don't eat the treats that aren't your favorite treats oh yeah why
1: Why? Because it's, I want to go for what I like the most. And that stuff's not going to please my taste buds.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or leave you with, like, any sort of satisfaction. Yeah, because
1: then you want to go to the ones that you know you're going to like.
0: Give me three. (laughs) Your three top treats that are, like, actually good. Like, they make you feel like, wow, that's what dessert's supposed to be. Apple pie. Okay.
1: Homemade apple pie. Homemade. Brownies. And then... uh, your basic original chocolate chip cookies okay yeah interesting those, those three are my go-tos
0: okay um it's difficult for me to give a top list mm-hmm. i will I, I held you to that so i'll hold mm-hmm. myself to it but if not we're be- just
1: talking like baked goods like
0: but well no like anything like anything. any treats in the whole world like before so before i tell you mine i'm just gonna trash yours brownies
1: Yes, I make Gross. a great brownie. So I
0: don't I don't like brownies like
1: you have a thing. With I
0: associate hands, though, like... them with my childhood friends, weird moms <laughs> that would make brownies. And I just and they're like, these are brownies. It's amazing. And I was like, yeah, cool. Like, I guess I'm reading brownies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I could understand that then.
0: Yeah. So um, for me, it's donuts.
1: What kind of donut? Or any donut.
0: I'm gonna just like loosely define a donut as a a pastry, which I guess probably has a technical definition, okay, but like if it comes in the shape of a, a circle or a triangle or a square and it's like a donut sized baked good and it can be flaky or it can be crispy or it can be like fried or it can be baked. Like that they're all fair game, it's all the same thing. Those are all donuts, right? Um, basically sugar nuts made of dough (laughs) first rate treat like absolutely I will pass over a bunch of other treats to get a good donut I don't think that's wasted calories at least in terms of taste buds right second one pie actually that's probably my first but like pie pie of all descriptions Mm. it's best Uh, fruit pies in the summer pumpkin pie sweet potato pie Pecan pie, cherry pie, apple pie. Pie is the deal. And it's difficult for me to get outside of that. Those are the ones. If I had to give you a third off the top of my head, I would say just like good chocolate chip cookies. Okay. Good homemade chocolate chip cookies. We made them in the third world country of of (laughs) homemade, so we could legally print homemade.
1: Well on the oh label goodness. so good i have a great recipe too anyways yeah <laughs>
0: enough recipes all right you know that i could barely move my legs today
1: yes it was very entertaining to watch
0: <laughs> yeah so i just wrapped up with a uh, a long progression that my strength coach gave me um i always coach the best when i'm being coached that's one of the reasons why i've been in sports for so long Um, it feeds into my competitive nature but also like i have a a teaching nature as well and if i'm getting filled it's easier to fill other people and part of that is yeah i I write good workouts but i want to make sure that i'm not just Trusting my own brain to because you you can start to think you're too smart on your own, right? And being able to take other concepts from other people that are succeeding is great. But uh, I'm like approaching the end of a 12 week progression, and I just tested it out. It was this challenge that had like like really shallow plyometric jumps just in place, paired with Spider Man pushups, and you had to do like some obscene number. So what's 100 plus 90 plus 80 plus 70 plus 60? Um, That's probably over 300. (laughs) My math is broken. It's Friday, you guys. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, all of those together was some combination of jumping and Spider-Man push-ups. And then, of course, this is on the clock and you're trying to be competitive. And then the the second half of it was split squat jumps, which are even worse. And then inverted rows where you're basically doing like a a pull-up plank, but it's not as hard as a pull-up brutal
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) then coach has me do a regular hard hard workout the following day using a ton of the same muscles and i feel fairly fried but the thing that i am happy about is massive improvement 40 percent improvement from when i started the program and uh congratulations yeah thank you like stuff like that just keeps you alive um The jumping piece, though, like I don't expect most people to do that high of jumping. I mean, I'm pretty sure there were like 700 jumps across that whole workout, right? But it goes to show that jumping can be a very, very effective exercise that most people can only do a few of. So we're using more jumping in the current progression. And in our current progression, it's a couple of strength exercises. After we warm up with some speed, agility, and quickness. Used to call it the sexy apple quiche. (laughs) Sounds like an awful dessert. Um, does, yes. But yes, it makes you remember things, you guys. SAQ, speed, agility, and quickness. A little bit of footwork. A little bit of fast movement for the shoulders, a little bit of fast movement for the glutes and for the legs. And then, before you know it, you're like warmed up and you're switched on and you're ready to go. We hit a couple heavy exercises, then we hit a hard circuit. And that hard circuit, surprise, has jumping in it. So, the tip of the day is if you can't jump rope, jump across a line instead. The line stays on the ground, it gives you something objective. To measure yourself against and you don't have to like worry about the coordination of going with a rope. Right? So side to side, forwards and backwards, mm-hmm. or a very, very small box, like a step size, six inches to eight inches. Yeah. How tall's a standard step? Like in housing?
1: Six, eight.
0: I'm not sure, it's code I though.
1: Know.
0: Like if it wasn't standard, people would be tripping and busting mm-hmm. their teeth in houses all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, a re- that's what construction codes exist for, <laughs> Jordan. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the idea that you need to work some jumping in your conditioning is just brilliant. People get lighter on their feet. People start to lose fat because it's way harder. But also remember that jumping is like closely related to running because you're off both feet at the same time. Yes. And it's fantastic. I so. had a
1: few clients who made that comment uh, this morning saying they didn't realize how difficult and how tiring it was just for 30 seconds doing a jumping exercise as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, doing something on the rowing machine or on yeah. a stationary bike. Like, yeah. They found themselves a lot more exhausted. I like, oh.
0: Well, here's what's interesting about that. Like, why? Just put on your thinking brain for a second. Not that you had your unthinking brain attached. Just rewire you. But why is it all of a sudden so much harder to do a jump than it is to work on a rowing machine or on a bike? Go.
1: Uh, well, you're using your body weight. Yeah. And it takes a lot more body mechanics and control. Yeah. To do that stuff as opposed to the rowing machine even though i've seen some awkward stuff on the rowing machine but
0: (laughs) (laughs) but then what's okay so what's the similarity then between the jumping and the battle ropes
1: Mm -mm. court
0: yeah the the ropes that go up and down that you have to send in waves right they're Mm -hmm. all the rage these days you see them on the instagrams and the youtubes right but what's the similarity between the body weight and that
1: I don't know. Coordination?
0: No, no. (laughs) Empirical weight that has to be overcome. Whereas on a rowing machine or on an air bike, Mm -hmm. you get out of it what you put into it. But to just overcome the flywheel of the equipment and to just make it go, you can get that thing started and then just kind of cruise with barely any energy. So if you're working into that hard... The wheel is spinning faster, Mm -hmm. which means the air is resisting it harder, which means it will decelerate faster, which means that the next stroke and the next pedal have to have a lot more energy into it to keep up that level of intensity. But if you're working at a very low intensity, that flywheel is kind of efficient. It's just going to kind of just trickle along like... I don't know, like a windmill or something. And it's not a big deal. And the person is not using a lot of energy to make it go. They're using a lot of momentum. When you start doing the body weight or you start pushing objective load, all of a sudden now you have a standard that you have to overcome. And that is what is smoking people that aren't ready for it. Mm -hmm. But it's good. It is efficient versus inefficient work. The body will get better at what you tell it to do but at some level you want to keep it guessing, keep it on its toes. Cause if it gets too efficient you stop building muscle, you stop dropping fat. Um, guys, that was a pretty good discussion. I think we're going to call it there. speech of the week. Know the names, know the nomenclature. We talked about SAQs. We talked about red light, yellow light, green light foods. There's a lot of jargon, a lot of jargon in the fitness world. But if you can know what is being talked about, you'll be more confident when you have to do exercises on your own. which you should, because two to three times a week is not enough to get massive results. It is if you're a little bit of a beginner, but it's not enough to get massive results. You're gonna need to know how to apply some sort of structure. You need to know what a dumbbell is, a kettlebell, a barbell. You need to know the different variations of squats and most of the other exercises. Don't feel too weird about it. It's something we all had to overcome. That's it for this week.
1: See ya. Bye.